Hello and welcome to, I don't really know what we're actually calling this. You see, this is kind of a tangent episode, and that may end up being the title I put on it, is just kind of a tangent and aside, a discussion on something else. This is not one of the mainline Matthew episodes. No, I'll continue chapter 10 starting next week, don't worry about that. But that's not what I'm worried about right now. I'm trying to think through something else in Matthew. Now, there's a question that came up last week, um, something something that I said that now looking back on it, I think I said it wrong, and I need to clarify that. I was also asked about it by somebody or, or pointed in that direction, and I said, huh, that's interesting. I'm going to take a look at that. And that's what this episode is about. And so in this, in this episode, we're going to examine this idea of fasting that we ran across in Matthew chapter 9. I'd like to more fully explain it. I'd like to take this episode and just take some time to look at what it is and why it is and maybe what we need to do about it as well. Or should we do anything about it? That's what this is for. I hope this is helpful. It's not the normal and it's not going to be the normal. If you know me personally, you've then probably heard about me complaining about topical things. I don't really like topical things. I like textual things, but this can be helpful as well. And so I'd like to talk about this idea of fasting and and where it came from, what it is, what we should do about it. Think about where fasting comes from. If you're looking in the old law, where would you find a command on fasting? The nice thing about a podcast is you can kind of just you know, pause it and then go look stuff up. So by all means, go do that. Or by all means, pause and think and and try to find something about fasting. Google's pretty nice for this kind of thing. In fact, that's where I went. And when I did, it turned up to Leviticus chapter 16. So go there. Go to Leviticus chapter 16. And let's have a look at this. Because this is quite something, and I'm not really sure what to make of it. Leviticus chapter 16 is describing the Day of Atonement, one of, not one of, the most important day in the Jewish calendar. That's what I would argue, and I think I would not be alone in that. This is the day in which their sins are removed. The sins are removed from the people of Israel. This is the day in which the high priest is able to go before the Lord himself, or, well, the Ark of the Covenant, where the Lord sits. This is that the one day a year that that can happen. This is important to these people. And on this day, look in verse 29, Leviticus chapter 16 Verse 29, this shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. Now, an initial reading of that, where's the fasting? Someone please tell me, because I don't see it in there. And the first time I looked this up and was given this verse, I said, huh, that doesn't talk about fasting at all. And so what is this talking about? What's going on here? Well, it turns out that the, the I guess the traditional interpretation, or the Hebrew colloquialism, maybe, 
in verse 29 and verse 31 where where new american standard says humble your souls it turns out that that idea is typically associated with fasting it doesn't say fast traditionally fasting is associated with it and so could that be absolutely true yes it could but i don't know and so maybe fasting is commanded here but maybe it's not and that's your only potential command in the old law so what do, what do we do with that what does that mean well that's kind of a mystery and we will hopefully come back to it at another point if that's not where fasting comes from right it could be but that's just one day a year and they certainly do it more than one day a year so where else would fasting come from at least i'd like to take you to joel i don't think this is the only place that this is found but this is the one that that came up when i looked it up and this one kind of stood out to me Joel, we're going to look at chapter 1 in verse 13. The Old Testament prophet Joel, right after Hosea, right before Amos, second of the minor prophets, as we call them. And, you know, I think he sent to Judah. I don't exactly know. I haven't studied Joel in a long time, but I also don't think it matters for these couple of verses. Joel chapter 1 verse 13, get a picture of what it's talking about. Joel chapter 1, verse 13. Gird yourselves with sackcloth and lament, O priest. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. So consecrate a feast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. How would you describe the actions that are going on there? You wouldn't describe them as fasting. You wouldn't describe them as as proclaiming. You wouldn't describe them as gathering or, or wailing. No, put all those things together, and what you have is a picture of mourning. You have a picture of people who are mourning something that's gone horribly, horribly wrong. And that's the picture of fasting that you get in the Bible in the old testament let me clarify that in joel 2 in verse 12 and 13 you know god says the same thing uh, god commands fasting in a sense in 2 verse 12 yet even now declares the lord return to me with all your heart and with fasting weeping and mourning and rend your heart and not your garments you know and so god in a sense does dictate fasting but we know that we see here that this fasting, this mourning, this weeping, it's it's all bound up in the heart of sorrow, in the heart of the action of mourning. It's all bound up in that. This is what causes fasting. If you want another example of this, or at least a, a, a physical example of this, I believe that, you know, you can go to Esther, and Esther says, hey, proclaim a fast so that other people can pray. That's a That's a physical example of someone mourning, preemptively mourning, um, mourning the situation that the Jews are in that's driven them to this, that kind of thing. Um, there are fasts in Daniel, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly. Fasts where where Daniel reads something that shakes him horribly and he's afraid and so he fasts, he mourns because of that. 
In Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, chapter 7, the people have set up a fast, and one of the things they ask in verse 3, Zechariah 7, 3, is, shall, shall I weep in the fifth month and abstain as I have done these many years? Now, I believe what's happening in that verse, I haven't looked at Zechariah in a while either, I believe what's happening in that verse is that's a fast in the fifth month, which is the destruction of the temple. If not the destruction of the temple, then it's the destruction of Jerusalem or the their entrance into captivity. It's it's something to do with that. That's really what Zechariah is dealing with, the remnant coming back. And so that's very on their minds, you know, as something that their fathers and grandfathers had to go through. And so they say, hey, shall we keep to this fast? This fast we associate with mourning, this fast that came from sorrow. That's why fasts are made. And the interesting thing is, God's response to that in verse 5, he says this, When you fasted, this is, this is Zechariah 7 in verse 5, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? When you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourselves? Do you not drink for yourselves? Does that kind of idea sound familiar to you? Well, hopefully, if you've been listening through this series, you may recognize some similar wording to how I worded Matthew chapter 6. Now, that's not intentional. I didn't realize that was in there, but I think it's rather happenstance that this is, this is how it was expressed. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, right, middle of the sermon, and he says, you know, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them in 6 verse 1. So when you give, give for God, give to the poor, give because that's a good thing to do, not to be seen by men. When you pray, you pray because that's the right thing to do, not because you want to be seen by men. And when you fast, yes, it is a when, whenever you fast, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. When you fast, it wasn't for me that you fasted. When you avoided food, didn't you do it for yourselves? Didn't you do it to make a show of yourself, Pharisees? Didn't you do it to, to promote yourself, you hypocrites? Do you see Jesus' argument in Matthew chapter 6? When you're fasting, yes, that's a win. When you're fasting, do it for the right reasons. Right? Have the right heart behind it and think. And so that brings us back up to Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, John's disciples come to Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, verse 15. And John's disciples say, hey Jesus, please explain. We fast and the Pharisees fast, but you all don't fast. And Jesus said, yeah, we don't fast. Because the bridegroom is here. Because the groom is here. You don't have to be sad that I'm around. I'm not going to require my disciples to fast. Right? That's not the thing that you should be doing right then. Now, now here's the question. Why not? 
if this, if this was a perpetual commandment, right? If this was something that they should keep doing, and if this is something in chapter 6, when you fast, it is an assured thing that's going to happen, was that just to the Jewish people? Was that just to their sense of tradition? Or is there something else going on there? If you look at verse 15 of Matthew chapter 9, again, Jesus ends by saying, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. That's not a question. That's a statement. That is an assuredness that people are going to fast, and Jesus' followers are going to fast. So how do we apply that? What's our application? How, how do we take that to today? Are we supposed to be fasting today? Well, look at what Jesus says. In verse 15, he says, hey, when I'm with my people, I don't need to, they don't need to fast. I don't require that of them. And so we ask, is Jesus with us today? Well, yeah, he is, right? Yeah, we're his temple. He lives within us. Of course, he's with us today. That is very, very clear. So we don't have to fast. Well, no, because of the end of verse 15, there's this commandment there. There's something else going on. Jesus seems to be talking in verse 15 about his physical location being with them or absent from them, not anything else. And so Jesus is not with us today in that sense. So that means we should actually fast. So here's where it gets subjective. I think, I think objectively, what Jesus says is, yes, fasting is required. But when? When, when do we do that? What is the situation? When you look at the Old Testament, when you think about the Day of Atonement, when you think about that idea we looked at in the book of Joel, when you think about the connotations that were put on it with the book of Zechariah, when you think about other passages that, that say similar things, when you think about that, why do people fast? It's always in mourning. It's always in mourning for something. The Day of Atonement is a day of great joy, but it's also a day of mourning for the sin that was committed that year. And so the people are, are mourning that, they're being sorrowful over that, and then they're getting rid of that, and then they can rejoice. In, in um, Joel, the people are sorry for their sin. They're mourning because of that. In Esther, they are sorry that they're in that situation. They are, they are sorrowful. They are mourning. In Nehemiah and Ezra, they're mourning over their sin. In Daniel, he's um, saddened over the state of the empire and other such things whenever he does it. In Zechariah, they're sorry that the temple got destroyed or whatever that was. Mourning is always associated with fasting. And so, are, what are we fasting for? If you're going to fast, which Jesus seems to indicate that you should, why is it that you are fasting? That's the question. Because, again, Matthew 6 is all about Jesus pointing us to the heart, not just the action. If you want to do the action of fasting just for yourself, cool, have at it. But don't bind that on other people because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about fasting for the sake of God, 
which seems to be fasting because of sorrow. That does seem to be something that God, uh, that Jesus binds on his followers. I wouldn't put a hard line on that. I don't know that the commandment is clear enough for me to put a hard line on every time you should and shouldn't fast, and so I'm not going to do that. But that's my opinion, for whatever that's worth. That's that's the idea. If you were drawn to fasting, if your conscience says you should, go do it. That's great. Don't mind that on other people. At the same time, there's an assurance that we will fast. And so we need to think about when that takes place. I'm not going to put hard lines on it. I don't know enough to do that, and I have not studied it enough to do that. That is, This is just a couple hours of looking into it, but I hope that that's helpful, and I hope that maybe that opinion puts some thoughts in your mind, or at least makes you think about it. Don't do it if it's just an action. Do it for the right reason. It's almost like that's what Jesus spent in an entire three chapters saying in the Sermon on the Mount, and we talked about that enough that I do not have to go back into it. Thanks for listening. I hope that that's helpful for you. I hope that that is of benefit as we kind of consider that idea. Again, I'm not going to do these types of episodes very often because I don't find them incredibly amazing, or at least not all the time, but I thought that that was an important issue to talk about, and so I decided to raise it again. I believe I misspoke in the other episode. I said, I quote myself as saying, John's disciples fast because it's commanded, and the Pharisees also fast because it's commanded. I'm taking back those comments because I don't think they're founded. But at the same time, there is also something that's there. There is a principle set forth, possibly. And so consider that. Thanks for listening. I hope it's helpful. We'll spend the next episode also on a topic, and then as of next week, we'll start right back into Matthew chapter 10. So... Uh, I hope it's been helpful. I hope that you learned something new or at least have something to consider, and I'll see you on the next episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs.